Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Colton Dowling. Colton, who uses he, him pronouns, is a stand-up comedian, writer, philanthropist, and butt boy. He is currently in a bunker in Austin, Texas. In the old world where live comedy happened and festivals weren't canceled, you might have seen him at High Plains, Burning Bridges, or Altercation Comedy Fests. In the before times, he created, wrote, and starred in Van Damme Jean-Claude, a web series that was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest 2020, but that was the old world. Now he is the author and illustrator of an adult picture book, The Bible Picture Book. Hello, butt boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hello. Is this what a butt, is this what you thought a butt boy would sound like? (laughs) Yep, this is exact, this is exactly it. I love that intro. I forgot that I wrote it. We've been trying to do this for a hot minute. Hot minute. And I was worried that I was like, I I forgot what what we were going to talk about today. So I went back into the Google Doc and it's like luckily not about like how developing comedy in a uncertain world. I like I'm really happy it's not that because I still have not figured it out. <laughs> We're making it. We're just step by step. I also love like the before times in the old world. I'm like, yes, back when we were allowed outside and able to do things and people listened, air quotes, and yeah. here we are. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like somebody in like 60 years is going to be like, Grandpa, you were in the quarantine of 1918, no, 2018. You're like, no, no, it's 2020. And they're like, sorry, uh, oopsies. Same you're thing. Like, What's okay. two years? How did you, how did you, uh, how was it? And you're like, um, well, everyone kept saying it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? That we didn't need to wear masks. The numbers kept going up, but they were quote unquote fake news. Yeah, that was yeah. back in the time when we had a literal Cheeto in office. We don't yeah. know how he got there, but what was his name? We don't speak his name. <laughs> we don't exactly. talk about those. They're times. not even going to know about it. They're not going to know anything about that. Yeah, they're or- they're going to delete that from all the history books. <laughs> uh. Or there's. Statues. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, are there fucking statues? Oh, please don't even. Um, I was trying to think how we met. So I was first introduced to you at a comedy show, and I can't remember which one it was. That was it, one of the first it, times I ever sh- I ever saw you. It was the one before you came with Liam Maroney. Yeah, but no, no, no. It was the one at um, Baker Street Native. It's a Native oh, hostel yeah. one night, y- mm-hmm. eons ago, when we were allowed to go to bars. Yeah, it was, yeah. For the past like two years, I've been doing a show like every single night 
like two shows a night. And now I have no idea what to do with my body. That's why I have, I have so many like little projects that I'm starting and then like not doing and then like starting up again and then not doing them again. Uh, Cause I have all my free nights and like, I'm like, do I make friends now? But like, <laughs> no, because you can't go anywhere. Uh, so and yeah, and then it's like this idea of like, do you move to LA? What do you do? Do you travel more? Do you write this TV show? So that's, I've been saying yes to everything. It was interesting that your whole premise of the show is like honest and, and vulnerable because like I get up on stage and I just lie the whole time. Like two, I have a full like hour of me being like, I have a child <laughs> and I don't. So it's uh this is gonna be uh um it's gonna be an interesting delve into honesty into a um an honest world. So I'm very excited about this. I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, um Brene Brown, who anyone listens to the show knows that she is pretty much my North Star. Um mm-hmm. but she interviewed Judd Apatow, Judd, Judd Apatow about his new movie that he just directed with Pete Davidson and how there's a thin line between like comedy and trauma and people who are comedians typically have gone through a lot of trauma. And so I guess like for me, like what what got you into comedy? Like, is there like a, was there like a precipice? Was it something you were always interested in? I, I don't know if anyone who, uh, I guess, what's cause so my mom is a psychologist. And so I talk about like the structure of the brain a lot mm-hmm. with her because it is so much like a why do these Texans hate me because I'm gay? <laughs> like what's going on with them that like I can't relate to them? Like how do I figure that all out? And mm-hmm. I and I don't think there was a start for me, although talking with my father, I'm realizing like, oh, I just deal with strife and uncertainty the way he does which is just joke about it constantly yeah um that man does not stop joking to the point where it's like shut up this not a bit <laughs> but i grew up as an army brat so like i moved around every two three years so i think that what trauma does is gives you perspective and like that's all that people want is can you see the situation multi-dimensionally or is it just your one simple plain view i'm normal all right and everybody's different it's like okay that's not true yeah I guess like for me, like I would say I'm a funny person, but I know for a long time, like I was always seen as the funny friend. And for me, it was a lot of like me growing up and feeling like, well, if I can't be pretty, I can at least be funny. So like I am like really quick witted. I am able to deflect really well. Mm-hmm. And so like I always think of like, like we how we use comedy to like deflect and like change it, change the narrative and how, you know, a lot of kids who are bullied when they're younger, they say that they, that's how they've gotten to really funny is because they would kind of self-deprecate in order to make it like I was laughing they're laughing with you and not laughing like them not laughing at you mm-hmm. and so like as someone who like grew up like loving comedy I love laughing which I know is like everybody does but like no like I would literally like if you let me watch comedies every day on loop like if there was like a good like line of like stand-up I would sit there and watch it all day like I love it yeah. but I think about how much 
like personal stories are built into comedy. Like there's a bit that you do about being a gay man, like marching in Texas. <laughs> and it's yeah. one of my favorite ones. And I just think of that a lot of like, you know, has this really actually happened to him? But if not, like how beneficial that little bit is to someone who has experienced that of like, oh, it is okay to laugh through this pain. And so that's how I always just seen comedy as like the permission to sit with our trauma. And as we work through it, laugh at whatever parts we can laugh at. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I love that bit. It's called Gay for Guns. <laughs> And I actually really don't like guns, for the record. Uh, I I grew up with them because my dad is in the army, and he's like, you're going to learn how to shoot stuff, because that's really important in 2020, which I don't know why it is. Um, but I think it's construct jokes to me, at least on stage, are a construction of logical pillars that you establish as the norm. We all know what gay is, and we all know what guns are. So a gun parade plus gay, those are just two pillars standing right next to each other. And I think that it's when you are, uh, you develop those kind of like logical pillars. When you I say, I am this type of person, you are this type of person, and you're coming at me like this, let's use this logic to kind of like show you a mirror in your face how silly the thing that you're doing right now is. Like, why are you attacking me? Stop, Stop it, please. So I think, I don't know, I go in so much of what makes something funny that oftentimes it becomes not funny. <laughs> It becomes this whole like inner web of what can I do? But it's, I don't know, it's it's a bunch of rules that if you add them all up, they mean nothing (laughs) because it's just like, just follow your feet, have fun with it. Mm -hmm. But then it's like a bunch of rules that like, oh, if you follow them, you know, you'll probably do well. I don't know. I I know for sure it's a defense mechanism for me. Like I'll be in fights with, uh, oh, sorry, it's audio. The, my boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, uh, and I'll realize he's like, "Are you laughing?" And I'm like, "Oh yes, I'm so sorry. What you said was insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense." Oh. So I know for sure that it's my brain pre-programmed to just make everything a joke. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's helpful all the time, but I I like it. Yeah. Oh good, he's outside. We can talk about him however we want. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess also like, so I've always wanted to do comedy. My friend's like, why don't you do stand up? And I don't think like I have enough material to do stand up, but I've always wanted to do improv. So that's just me putting that out there in the ether if anyone listens to this. Like, Bree's interested. So here we are. I actually was just talking to Chip about starting a school um, because I started it with improv and then I spent, I think, about $20,000 in classes. I I went to three schools and I did classes every single day for improv for three years. And it's a bunch of knowledge in my head that like can deconstruct a scene. And people are like, well, why is this not funny? And I'm like, well, you came in a little bit too high status. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, I have a bunch of knowledge up here that means nothing in the real world. Um, I wish I had bought Apple stock, you know? Yeah. Um, my parents still kick themselves for not buying Walmart stock, and I'm very upset with them too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I or, or you know Amazon, right? Or, you know, so many, but it's yeah. So if you if so you the cult the Colton Dowling School of Comedy is coming. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'll probably start with a writing class and then get into something else. I don't know. I think that there is so much of it where people go like, I can't, I don't. And I think that for a while, I was leaning on Beyonce's, um, I forget her alter ego. Asha Fierce. Asha Fierce. But it's this idea that you can act confident. And I think that if you were to ask me, like, what's the funniest thing in the entire world? It's confidence. I think that confidence is the funniest thing in the entire world because you know people who are wrong, but they think they're right. Mm. And they do these things. You're just like, why are you doing that? Um, And so I think that it's this idea that so many people have these, we'll call them adjectives about themselves where they go, well, I can't do that because of this. And so like I've been going through this, like if you find so many positive things about why you could do it, then you'll probably not have space in your mind to think of the negative things. Mm-hmm. Or just like if, you, if you're looking at your schedule, because I know that you're busy as hell and you're like, all right, this, this activity is so that I don't do this. It's like, well, why don't you just do this? You know, instead of you fill up your entire schedule of positive things to get you to your goal, then you're not going to have room for any of those negative activities. And your brain is the exact same way where it's like you can, if you're thinking a positive thought, you're not thinking a negative thought. So if you fill up your entire like brain schedule of positive thoughts, then you're probably going to like, actually, you know what? I can do comedy because you know what? I have this positive, this positive, this positive. And I, I don't know. I think that, I think that there's so much as like ingrained into like our culture of like, you're not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and stay put. You're in your place. Well, and- as, as me being such a perfectionist, like if I'm not good at something, I just won't do it. Or it's the opposite. Sometimes it's that I want to get good at something, so I'll make myself fail at it. But it's also like, how much investment do I have in this? Like, if I start doing stand-up, am I actually going to do it, do it enough to like, not like make a career out of it, but just like to book shows and everything else. I'm just like, oh, I'm just, it's, it's for me, it's the level of how much dedication do I have into this thing? Because I'm also like, if we're talking about confidence, like I can come out there and be hilarious. And then it's just, okay, one show, bye. And I'm like, well, what's that point? So I don't know. We're just in this weird weird place of thinking about it totally but i don't think you'll know until you know until you do it right i mean you're right (laughs) i it's like i don't know how can you possibly that's the one thing about improv that i used to that that took me a little bit to get over was Mm. fear of tonight's show because what's gonna happen on the show and like the entire point of improv is nobody knows what's gonna happen and like it's beautiful uh so don't worry about planning this thing that's in your head that that only exists in your head of like oh no um because no one else is worried about going to the show tonight so i mean it works in so many different ways, but like, yeah, you don't know. And it's okay because your brain eventually is going to tell you. Unless you stop existing, then you don't have a problem anymore, right? The stress is gone. Then the stress is gone. Like, Speaking no of way. shows, how has comedy changed for you? Because, I mean, we're not out in public. We're not going to venues. It's so how, I know that you had, like you, like you were saying, you had this fantastic web series that was going to be featured at South by then South by got pulled and I know you have a, a online comedy show that you've been doing on the weekend well on the Friday Friday night am I making this up yeah no there was yeah for a while we're doing Tuesdays and Fridays it was a fully produced show we had a producer a booker we had um, a manager and like a PR person 
and they were doing everything. And I was just hosting. It was amazing. <laughs> chef's kiss. But it's chef's kiss. Oh yeah, it's audio. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> the so yeah, we've been doing that. It is quite awful because some of the comedians like really are there for the response. They're not like, here's a joke. And so it has changed so much because I think that some of the times I say a joke and I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty funny idea. But like, it takes somebody in the crowd being like, holy fuck, (laughs) it's so funny to be like, oh, I thought it was funny. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then like, you know, diving deeper or like backing off. But most of the crowds are just like, just comedians. So comedians sit like, we'll make each other laugh. It's like the best feeling. You're like, aha, I just made that really funny person laugh. It's amazing. Um, And it's actually been going pretty damn well. We've had like over, I think, a thousand comedians on. I don't know if that number's true. (laughs) We've had a million comedians. We're we're not going to fact check it, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> had two million comedians and it's been pretty good we've raised um a, a boatload of money because that's the other thing that like all the comedians were gig comedian like you're either doing a gig for a comedy show or you're doing a gig service job um and you probably just lost both of those so that that's been hard on all the comedians um everybody has a podcast now so that's good. Um, I was going to start one with Era. I heard y'all just had on Era. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really been putting all of my energy into this Bible picture book. It is my favorite thing. Um, yeah, I'm going to need more I, detail about that. Right now? Sure, we're already here. Let's just chat about it. We okay. can always loop back. <laughs> I uh, So I don't know how much christianity is in your brain but my brain is full to the brim of my cup runneth over of the stories of the bible Mm -hmm. um i don't know i think that like i don't know royal rangers is that a thing to you it's it's like boy scouts but (laughs) for christians and instead of like merit badges that you do for like cooking and sewing it's like did you memorize this verse so i like the bible is in my head i had to go twice a week i went to bible camp uh during the summers where i'm just like in my head and it wasn't i don't remember it ever like affecting me negatively in like Mm -hmm. a don't be gay it was i for some reason even though i grew up in like some places were very homophobic including colorado springs um where they i think they they just outlawed um conversion camps like that wasn't a part of it for me it was more just like these kooky kooky stories that some grown-ass adult had to explain to a little kid and me being like wait a minute whoa 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 what's going on here like uh, my favorite one is Zachariah. No, Zakia. Do you know Zakia? Do you know the song? Um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Jesus looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. <laughs> Do you know the story? I don't know the story, but I'm very intrigued now with this song. So, <laughs> Okay, basically, there was a little person. And for some reason, that was necessary for the story. <laughs> I don't know why the Bible included it, but they were like, he was really small. And he was a tax collector for the Romans. And he would tax everybody in this town. And everybody hated 
Zacchaeus. They hated him. And so Jesus was coming into town and, um, and Zacchaeus was like, I'm going to go see Jesus. And everybody in the town was like, you're not allowed to come see Jesus. Okay. You, we hate you. You suck. And so Jesus was walking by and he climbed up in a tree and then Jesus stopped and looked up at him and was like, Hey, who are you? I'm coming to your house. And that's the story where Jesus invited himself over for dinner. So, so just when's, when's this picture, this picture book come out? Cause now I need it. I need to read everything. Um, so I had to write a chapter for a comedy fund book, which I think it's going to be released at the end of the month. It's called, it's for the Colorado comedy fund. Although I think they're, they're doing some like split donations now. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure. They just asked me to write a story. So I basically took all of my favorite Bible verses um, and then put them into this like context, which is like, oh, that's an interesting story. Like, remember when Jesus yelled at that fig tree before going and tearing up a bunch of small businesses? <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? <laughs> okay, so basically Jesus walked out of this town and he was hungry. So he walked over this fig tree and it was out of season. So he whispered, yelled, you'll never produce any more fruit. And then everyone heard him. And it was like, in the Bible, they recognize it was out of season. Yet Jesus went up to this out of season tree and just yelled at it. And then he went into this temple where a bunch of people were selling stuff, you know, like a farmer's market, essentially. And they started kicking over the tables. I don't remember the story. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I have all this stuff in my head. So as all of it cited in the Bible, uh, in the Bible picture book. And I basically have taken my favorite actors and like, drawn them in so like Perez Hilton um Ellen DeGeneres Danny Trejo um and a bunch of other funny actors to play in the bible only if only if Jonathan Van Ness plays Jesus I have requests okay I love that idea (laughs) but I have made him look um I think it's funny to have him balding (laughs) I I just I, I have him you know more of a it's your book. You can Thank you can you. cast who you want to cast. Oh, no, but I feel bad that I didn't get Jonathan and my desk in there. And you know, it's it's sad, really. It's, it's a missed opportunity, honestly. Yeah. I'm just yeah. so that's you know when people go like, hey, how how was your day? And look, like, well, I I drew Ellen DeGeneres' face in a tree. That feels good. Accomplishing a lot today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when did you like get into writing? Because I mean, I I didn't even know this about you until you know you were having the the um, Kickstarter for Van damn Jean-Claude mm-hmm. <laughs> I always laugh when I read that um so you like how did how did that like how did writing get into the the comedian lifestyle so I think that many people say that there are comedians and they're like they're writers and then they're performers um I don't know if that's true and pigeonholing anyone doesn't really make sense to me anyways mm-hmm. um I know that when I first started comedy um I was very much not well received mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was missing the interpretation of like I was missing people at every beat I was like but why didn't they follow from this to this so I got into Natalie Goldberg writing down the bones do you know this book no nope. book is great and there's also another book that got me started which is called Big Magic and both of those books are great I forget who Big Magic's written by but if you google it it's gonna be on Anyways, it's basically uh, doing free writing and seeing what your brain comes up with 
without you limiting yourself. So there's so many things that parallel this in life where you're like, I, I could never do comedy because this. Well, is what I found was because of Natalie Goldberg as well, um, if you continue to write all your negative thoughts down, you're like, I'm so stupid, I can't even write. And I'm not even a good comedian. And I, I'm not, you'll bore yourself. You're like, this is the most boring paragraph I have ever read. Now I'm gonna go entertain myself. So then you start writing more and you're like, this is so fun. I love what I'm making. And as soon as that became an everyday thing for me, it was like, all right, what medium do I have? Like, what, what am I, how am I gonna present this to the world? And it was, easy to do at an open mic night. That was it. That was it. That was it. And, I mean, and then, you know, all the $20,000 of improv classes. Can't forget. <laughs> yeah. 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 But my classes won't cost that much. They'll probably be free for the first 30 days. <laughs> and then subscription-based, you know? <laughs> I'm just brainstorming. I have not thought about this at all. <laughs> this, is, this is how we start. You got to get out there. I think also, like, for me, it's been very interesting finding joy, period, in quarantine. And like, so when we first went into quarantine and I lost my job, I was like, I need to like find something that makes me laugh. And I was just reading something the other day that was saying that people who have anxiety are known to go back and rewatch old shows that they've already watched. I just watched. saw that. Did you post that? I Probably because they know what's going to happen. I'm like, cue me literally watching reruns of The Flash, Psych, <laughs> One Tree Hill, like shows I've already watched because I know what happened. Yeah. Um, but just like being able to like find the small wins. So like for a while I would make like really small to-do lists, which if anyone who knows me knows I'm like a 13 things on a to-do list at all times because I always find something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got it down to like being like five small things I could accomplish every day just because I felt so overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, what is going on? What are we doing here? Finding like small wins and small joys and like finding what I was grateful for because no one knows what the hell is going on here like I don't think any of us thought we'd be in quarantine for more than a month like I thought I think we all thought we'd shut down for a month maybe two get everything under control and be right back out on these streets but now our lovely lovely governor opened way too quickly and now we see the spikes that are happening in Texas again so yeah it's been interesting trying to find the small wins and little joys and being in my house (laughs) so yeah I think what one thing that's been really hard for me is my brain really wants to categorize anyone who doesn't want to wear a mask or is actively like participating in like house parties. My brain is like, they're Republican and you hate them. (laughs) And it's always just like, oh no, that's your friend and you like them a lot. Um, Why do they hate Earth? (laughs) (laughs) Why do they try to kill, you know, the US? And, you know, it's so, that goes back to the confidence thing is like, my brain is certain I'm right and their brain is certain they're right. And it's just been so hard to like, you know, uh, think critically and be more like empathetic and impassioned. And I think that so much of like American culture is there's two sides to this coin and you better better pick blue <laughs> like it's like well uh i i hope so but i i think it's it's been an opportunity for me to like get in and read more mm-hmm. so i've been doing i i i don't know what moderation is so i've been running six miles a day and um it's been helpful because the only time to do that in texas is early as hell Mm-hmm. So I've been getting up early and then I'll listen to uh, these these books on Audible. So I've gone through like several books uh, and that's been, it's weird because it feels like an accomplishment, 
but like I did nothing. <laughs> Do you you know? listened to it. <laughs> right? Like I, I passively participated in a, in a thought that wasn't my thought, nor was it my work to build this book or put together these thoughts or go through the editing or like pick a book cover. But my brain is like, yeah, you did. You had so many thoughts today and now we're thinking. <laughs> Seems unburned. Seems like it works. I too am an audible listener. So I have listened slash read two books, but I've read them both twice. Um, and now I have four books that are in the queue waiting. But yeah, I hear you. Um, I've read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, mm-hmm. The Rural Diaries from by Hilary Burton Morgan. Now I'm reading this collection of short stories by a black man named... Please hold. <laughs> I was I'm like, s- it better not be... Uh, I want to say his name's Daniel, but I could be wrong. Uh, I'm reading a lot by Brian Washington. Um, I'm still here. It's like a black woman's experience uh, in a world made for whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. Uh, More than enough by the woman who is one of the editor in chiefs at Teen Vogue. So a lot of like self-help books and memoirs. I'm like, Mm -hmm. things are still going to be okay. We're going to get back to the outside times one day. I... Love that. And can you share those? Because I, yeah. And tag me in your story, you know, put them on your story and then, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll do the whole connecting. I've been doing, uh, I've taken a deep dive into uh, Japanese Buddhism and the implications of the geopolitical um, constructs on religion. (laughs) Why? Probably escapism, probably. Very chill life. Because, you know, that seems a little bit more tangible than what's happening in COVID world, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you were saying about the masks, like it is really hard to, there's been a post of like, it's not political, but it's also like, I don't see many like Democrats, liberals, Green Party people not wearing masks. I'm seeing more of the other side not wearing masks. So it's like, it's very hard to separate of like, it's not political, but then also like that. And one of the things that made me really annoyed is like the people who don't want to wear masks are now chanting my body, my choice. That, that's like, the most infuriating one. I don't, oh my God. <laughs> that, that's, that's so, it's, that's so frustrating. <laughs> I, uh, my brain I, turns to gel and I'm just like, what are, okay. <laughs> it's so interesting because I want, a lot of my ideas actually end up with a police state. Because I'm like, well, they shouldn't be allowed to say that. They shouldn't be allowed to vote. If you're going to be wrong and stupid, I don't think you should be allowed to like have a say in society if you're not helping society. But then I'm like, well, actually, we they're American too, and we need them. And it's like this huge like I like it's how do we come together and like and I don't have any answers. So that's why I've taken back into 1600s Japan. Um, but I, I just think it's so interesting to look at somebody think you're actively hurting all of us and I can't, con- like, I can't control you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You're out there and like, you're just out there and you're floating around and you get to decide whatever you want. We just have to let you do that. Let you be wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so hard. Cause I don't, oh. There were so many people up to like no good before, but now they can just cough and ruin everything for me. I'm just like, oh, no, no. It's so hard. I just, I miss the days when we had people in power who were 
actually smart. That's all I'm saying. Oh, like George Bush. No. no <laughs> oh, no, like no. Nixon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Like Back Reagan. in the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> good old, yeah. Like, uh, okay, just the one, just the one specific one you're mentioning. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That one, that one good day. Uh, oh, that's another thing. I think that I keep on going back into history because people keep on saying it used to not be like this. It used to not do this. And then my brain goes like, all right, let me, let me double check that. And then, you know, you find out that it was, that that has happened before and like finding that we're not in a unique situation and that like the brink has come to humanity before and knowing all of that, how can you promote the most amount of good, even with all this seemingly bad things happen, but it's like, it's been bad before. Right. And and if we're not unique in its badness, then how can we participate in it being positive on the other side of the end of this badness? Yeah, I think that's what's been, that's been my escapism is listening to like memoirs and the times before the wildness. Cause I'm like, okay, outside of like COVID quarantine and those things, like we used to be allowed to do all these things. And that's not to say that other great things aren't going to come of this. I'm just trying to like find <laughs> the silver lining. And, and it's what's been really helpful with me is, you know, I recently decided to start my own consulting business which is wild. And I'm like, we'll see what happens out in these, in these, uh, in uh, these nonprofit fundraising streets. Um, I mean, being able to like sit and work for myself and just having worked at jobs where I've been so miserable and telling myself, you know, when I come out of quarantine, I don't want to go back to that. And so one of the ways I've been doing that is like putting things in place now that we have hours of time to do so. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I forget which like self-help idea this is but this idea of cocooning and like how we all go through these like cycles and right now a lot of us were like i was just about to grow a lot i was just about to come out and shine and now you're forcing me back into this cocoon all right how can i cocoon better like how can i like build plant my seed so that in three months six months i'll actually be okay and i think like you know as a comedian i'm like i better write some funny anecdotes about this like right like that's true or is it something like you better make the new norm now whereas like what show doesn't exist but at those none of those things are for like me (laughs) right well i also think about accessibility too of like you know everything has switched to online format now so it's also like i think we'll start to see a lot more people making it accessible for those who like maybe physically could never go to a comedy show but now they can you know making it more accessible that way and thinking about that as we move forward like are we making sure to like include subtitles and you know all the other things that we now have to really think about as we move forward because yeah totally sorry that just made me like that's so raven where i was like all of my shows having yeah and then i was like and i could know um i love it challenge that brain out there i will hit up that producer and i'll tell her that she now has another job (laughs) no big deal but uh thank you so much so much and also i'll just still host i'll host she's great um her name is valerie lopez i should shout her out Uh, love you val great comedy wham and laura smith everybody there it's been good i don't know i've been trying to i'm just trying to think of all the little projects but it's it's like, can you get any of them done? <laughs> you can. 
you can. But I've also been telling people like if even if you don't get anything off your checklist done, you are still a good person worthy of things like I think of like the privileges that I still have in quarantine. Like I'm still able to like pay my bills. I'm st- I still have a car. I can afford the things like I can get groceries every week. I can still, you know, create this business. Um, but then like for a good like month, I was so depressed. I was like, if I get up and brush my teeth and eat breakfast today, that's a win. Yeah. If I walk around the block at least one time, if I put on sneakers today and think about walking outside, that's a win. Like I, I, I think when we only thought this would be a month is like, if you don't come out of this with like a new job and that side hustle and that show you wanted to do and blah, 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 like all these pressures. And I was like, or you can just try to survive during a really scary time. So the balance. Yeah. I'm just, th- yeah. In context of like the siege of St. Petersburg or Moscow <laughs> and they're like, the Germans are outside. I'm like, yeah, but are you writing a book? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Because this sounds like a good memoir. Are you writing your memoir? <laughs> right. Are yeah. you taking note of everything going on today? Yeah. Yeah. Have you uh, checked you? <laughs> You're right. All right. I'll be a little less hard on myself. That's yeah, good. That's what matters. Find the joy, find the laughter. If I'm, it's going to sound like super hippie, but like find the fun and the failure. Like mm-hmm. there are going to be times when you just fall short and it's totally okay. I'm like, there are things I write. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? And just like have to like throw it away. Yeah. That is like, one writer's note is right on trash so that you never feel the need to keep it. Right. Throw it away. There you go. I know. I've applied for like 60 jobs since May. And I'm like, and I haven't gotten one. Doesn't mean I'm a failure. Just no one's hiring right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not what's meant for me. Maybe this is this means I'm supposed to be working for myself. So finding finding the fun in the failure, which I know everyone's going to be like, oh, so easy for you to say, Brie. I'm like, it's not. I think everyone thinks that I always have things together. My life is so perfect. I'm like, there are days I just lay on my bed and look at the ceiling, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah. But I think that because you do that or you experience that, you have to develop these techniques to talk yourself out of that. Yeah. To like get yourself out of bed the next day or to put on your sneakers and act like you're about to run out. You have to develop these like fun and failure techniques that, you know, other people might not even have to like worry about. And you're like, no, no, I got, oh, I got the perfect remedy. How you feeling? A little sad, a little, <laughs> little snoozy. All right, yeah. let's get you a coffee. Let's get you a little pep talk. Let's listen to Bre- Brene Brown's podcast because that's literally uh-huh. <laughs> North Star. If anything's ever wrong, just slap on a Brene Brown podcast. She'll be fine. My mom is obsessed with Brene Brown. Has your mom, I wonder if your mom's read Untamed. If not, you should recommend it to her. She, she has. She has. Your mom and I just need to be in a text. Tell her yeah. to text. <laughs> back and forth. My sociology brain's like, tell me everything. Yeah. Brene Brown's also a professor at UT Austin. So if I ever run into her, I might pass out. She, yeah, I, I know a bunch of people that run into her. She's, well, I don't know if she's out and about anymore, but I have. Do you know Andrew Horniman used to be like, and then I, oh my God, and then I saw Renee Brown. No. No. Okay. no. She's currently, uh, she's with, so she lives in Austin and Houston. So right now I think she's out in Houston living it up. Doing what? She just looks at book money now. She's yeah, she got book money. Her husband's a doctor. She did Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. Like, Brene's just out here living it up. She teaches. She's like, why, why would I want to the beach? I have a beautiful pool. She's from Texas, so she's very big on, like, floating the lake, too, and floating the river. I'm just like, oh, what a Texan. I love her. Ah, Brene. I've been uh, doing a lot of stand-up paddle boarding. That is the other thing I've been doing. I need to get back into that. I miss that. I need to I decide. I an inflatable one for like 150 bucks 
and you know the fiberglass ones are a thousand something odd dollars mm -hmm. so the amount of money i was spending on um pizza <laughs> because you know at the beginning when i was running i had to do like one of those Domino's library cards but for like running and i was like if you run this many times you can have a whole pizza so i've been doing a lot of pizza parties ds313 though because better than Domino's. but mm-hmm yeah programming these little wins in trying to stay out there I, I hope that podcast happens with Eric. i love me too that episode i did with y'all was so much fun i would always i would come back if you ever need me to come back i had so much fun with y'all that day good i and it's fun and it's short and it's like i love those little games that are like i'm just gonna ask you 20 questions and you better answer the first thing that comes to your mind right now yeah the hot seat questions love hot them questions. yeah well, do you have any? I'm, I almost just I almost just wrapped up your show. I know. I was like, wow, we we really tried today. You lasted fifty seven minutes, not trying to wrap, not trying to take the reins here. I was so good. Wow. Wow. I just had an interview like a week ago, and I just kept to be like, all right. And do you have any other questions for me? <laughs> like, hold up, stand back. You're, we are interviewing you. Yeah. Uh, I will be sure to link everything in the show notes. At the end of each show, I like to ask a final question as a sort of palate cleanser, leaving us on a high note. And the question is, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what is a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Well, well I for sure know this one. This okay. one I have a wonderful answer to. And I'm going to answer both of them because my answer is short for the last one. Okay. The advice I'd give the younger me is you're gay. You're gay. Just get over it. You're gay. Uh, that would have been that would have saved so much time in my brain where I'm like, well, boobies are okay. <laughs> like, my straight brain wasn't complex enough for that answer. So that would be the the other answer. The best advice I was ever given was by an old Japanese man in a uh, steam room. I was sitting in the steam room and. Uh, he came in and he started like hosing off the walls and I was like just sitting there because I did the same thing I think steam rooms are disgusting so then he's steaming out he goes oh I'm sorry for bothering you and I was like oh it's fine I did the same thing people are disgusting and he goes this is so this is so relevant too he goes we're all disgusting but if we work together this place doesn't have to be disgusting and I was just like oh my god <laughs> that's about the world <laughs> Oh, I, both of us were naked. Uh, does that change the story? Not at all. Man, I, when nothing happened after that, after that, I just put my hands in my face and was like, my mind is blown. Wow. That's all that happened in that steam room? That time, for sure. Okay. There was another time in that same steam room where the guy who sells gold, you know, remember in 2009, how there was always that guy who was like, I'll buy all your gold. <laughs> what? How much gold do you have? Send it to me. I'll buy it. Um, he had a really nice house in Santa Monica and a wife, but he used to get blowjobs in steam room. Does that answer? Is this fact check? We need to fact that check this. Fact checked. <laughs> that is fact checked. He didn't give me any good advice though. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of the Tea with Bree. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Tea with Bree. Send me an email at theteawithbree at gmail.com and visit the website theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music and I'll talk to y'all next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Did we do it right? <laughs>